Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. You know? Okay, confession, this is not usually my MO, but I have a guilty pleasure, and it is watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. I've just always loved the show. I can't help it. I know it's like, I know, but I love it so much. So anyway, in June of 2021, which was about a little over a year after my husband had died and I had already started dating, I started watching The Bachelorette and I noticed this guy was on the show who was widowed. And I remember watching it and thinking like, holy crap, that is so brave because dating as a widow is like, insanely complicated and something that you just could never explain to somebody who hasn't been through it. And so I watched Michael Alio on the show and I just was like sort of in awe of the fact that he was doing this with the eyes of the nation and then all this potential scrutiny over the way he was handling things. From my perspective, he handled everything beautifully. And I thought explained his heart so well through the whole process through the whole process, both on The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. There was one point where Michael said that he wasn't sure if he was ready to date again, and the public had opinions. No surprise, right? But I felt so defensive when I was reading those opposing opinions because I was just like, that's the biggest struggle, I think, for all of us. I don't know. That's what I hear from lots of you, that like, it's so hard to know if you're ready. And Really, you just have to go into it not even being fully ready. You just have to like, you have to do it and then hope that your heart can manage loving two people at once. Anyway, I got in touch with Michael and he so graciously agreed to do an interview for the podcast, which of course I was thrilled about. And I just have to say he is so incredibly lovely, like just as lovely chatting for the podcast as he seemed on TV and as he seems on his Instagram. And, you know, I just felt like he's one of us, right? Like he gets it and he knows and he's living it. And I just have so much respect for him sort of educating the public about what this is like to date as a widow. Just for a little bit of context, he is now in a committed relationship, someone he met on Bachelor in Paradise. Her name is Danielle. She also lost her forever person. It was several years ago and they were engaged to be married and she lost him as well. So they have that in common. So we will talk a little bit about that and a little bit about Laura, his late wife, and just about what this process has been like for him. So I don't even have to say I hope you enjoy. I just know you will. And thanks for being here. I can't wait to hear what you think. How are you? I'm so glad I can finally meet you. I know. Nice to meet you too, Michael. This is great, Um, and I really appreciate you doing this. You're basically like the spokesperson for all things dating after death in the public eye right now, so it just feels like a real privilege to get to talk to you about this. Thank you. There's nothing off limits. Feel free. I mean, I I really think that this is, as, as I'm sure you agree, which is why you do what you do, is we don't get a chance to talk about this in its real form. Um, and all of the intricacies that go behind and how difficult it is. So yeah, Yeah. nothing's, nothing's offensive to me. Just honesty. Always. Thank you. 
Okay, awesome. So what I love to do is just if you could just start by telling us about Laura and about your life with her and your marriage and maybe just like a quick love story with Laura. Yeah. Recap. Yeah, geez. It, it's uh how do I how do I put this into words? Laura and I met unexpectedly. And I think anybody who's ever found love can agree that that's usually how it happens. It's when you're not looking for it. And I was a freshman in college at Loyola in Chicago. Hmm. She was a senior in high school on a college visit, trying to see if Loyola was a good school for her. And you know, when you have those moments where it just makes sense, like what you've been looking for just lands in this package right in front of you. Yeah. Um, I was lucky to see that. And Laura and I started talking. We, you know, she spent the night in the dorms and I think I slept on the floor right next to her. Um, <laughs> I was a gentleman. Don't worry. Um, I didn't want to, but, you know, maybe she kicked me out. I, I forget. Uh, it's my story, though. Let me tell it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, the next year she decided to go to Loyola and at first, when she decided to come, it was kind of intimidating. We had built up this romance in our in our minds so much that when it came, it was like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? How do we make this happen? So you'd been in touch that whole time. Yeah, we, we kind of like it was like this unspoken thing where okay. it was like, if you come here, we're going to date. Like, mm. you know, we understand that. And I think it had a lot of the reason why she decided to go to Loyola. Um, I mean, she got amazing grades. She could have went to Brown and all these sure. other schools. And, you know, Loyola is a good school, but it's not Ivy League. And yeah. she ended up going. And honestly, we were together for 16 years. We dated for 10 years, got married after she finished her MBA at Notre Dame. Mm. Then we moved back to Akron, uh, where I currently am, to do some family planning. And mm. we, she got pregnant really quickly. And we welcomed James into our life in 2016. Yeah, She was just this spark, just this light where yeah. you knew what it was because you could feel it, but it's difficult to describe. She was incredibly ambitious, socially mm. aware. She wasn't someone that complained about why the world is absurd. You know, she <laughs> she mm, was somebody that. that actually went out there and did the work to try to make it a better place. And I was mm. very just inspired by her her call to service and mm. and how she went about building the life that she always wanted. Yeah. I have to say like looking at pictures of her, you can feel all that. You know, it's like you can yes. see it in her eyes. She's just one of those people you look at and you're like, I want to be friends with you. You look she amazing. She was friends with everybody. I mean, she could, there was no room where she was uncomfortable. I mean, whatsoever. She was in the financial world. You know, that's kind of a bro -y kind of environment. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw her make these guys blush a million times. <laughs> she was a bulldog and mm. I just I just loved I just love that about her. She she found joy and she found laughter in literally every situation. Oh my gosh. How lovely. Yeah. I was very 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 lucky. So obviously we know that Laura passed from breast cancer. Yeah. So can you tell us kind of a little bit about that journey, how that went for the two of you and for James? Sure. We were, like I said before, we were very lucky to have gotten pregnant so early. 
you know, we were always concerned about, you know, fertility issues. And I think for anybody who's starting to do family planning, it's an odd position because it's like you've spent your whole life trying not to get pregnant, yes. right? Yes, totally. <laughs> you know, like, and, then, and then you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Call the goalies, and let's then, go. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're trying to have it happen. And a lot of people run into some issues, which is unfortunate. And we were kind of preparing for that. Yeah. And very, very quickly, um, she got pregnant and, you know, I went to the grocery store, bought like 15 pregnancy tests, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know which one to do. You can't trust one. Was, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. The way they communicated, that's a whole nother story. But uh, she had a great pregnancy. She loved being pregnant. She always wanted to be a mom, had James in September, 2016. And, you know, it was just like newly married couple mm -hmm. starting a new life. Like Exciting. we had hit, we had hit all of our benchmarks. Yeah. We had our house, we had our jobs, we had the child, we had the happy marriage. I mean, we were very, very happy. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that things were perfect because things never were, but I don't think that perfection actually exists. And if it does, I don't think I'm interested in it yes, either. Yes. Yeah. Cause then you complacency. Know. Yeah. And, and honestly, the best, the most intimate times are when things are in disorder and you're able to overcome them yeah. and grow closer as a couple. And we found that to be true during our cancer journey mm -hmm. specifically. Basically, James was seven months old. He stopped taking breast milk from one side of Laura's breast. Mm -hmm. And Laura was very self-aware. And she's like, that's really weird. Yeah. I mean, James was this like chunky kid. Um, <laughs> he never turned down a meal. <laughs> and so that triggered us to go to an OBGYN. Yeah. And OBGYN dismissed it as a plug milk duck. We mm -hmm. said, ah. Uh, we need more information. Real quickly, it was, you know, mammogram, ultrasound, biopsy, breast cancer. Yeah. In April of uh, 2017, James was seven months. Yeah. Diagnosed with breast cancer, everything uncertain. Um, we never gave up hope. Yeah, of course. We, we had two cancer-free diagnoses wow. during the course of her, you know, roughly two-year battle uh, with cancer. And I have to say this, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen and it's shaped me to this day is her ability during that time when she was going through the most uncertain time in her life to do something good. Mm -hmm. She took her whole entire cancer journey public on Facebook. Yeah. And if you ever go on Facebook and you see her videos, they are hopeful, they're mm -hmm. gut wrenching, they're honest, they're raw. And I remember the first day when she announced on Facebook Live that she had breast cancer. I was like, can we please keep this private? Yeah. Because it sounds weird now, no. but I'm actually a very private person. What? <laughs> yes, yes. But prior to seeing Laura do this, I never would have done anything I had done. Yeah. Uh, on the show or whatever. Well, the, uh, this changes you. And yeah, it just changed me. And she built this amazing community. Hi, family and friends. This is the first time I've ever done a live feed and Michael and I have been talking about it and we decided that, well, what better opportunity? We're always hearing about how social media impacts our world and hopefully we're gonna use social media in this light 
um, to shed the greatest awareness and to raise funds and so yeah it's it's been a really difficult day today this is not at all what we've been expecting um, we had kind of dreams this week that we were gonna have a very clean diagnosis and we could start falling back to what we were prior to cancer entering our lives but it just means we've got a little bit more battles left um, we do have some options uh, we're hopeful um, we're kind of spending today grieving a little bit um, spending time with um, our parents and my mom came in yeah my lymph node and my gallbladder were yeah. negative too so that was exciting mm -hmm. so because i was afraid that my lymph nodes might be positive for cancer so anyways but they were not but they were not so that's a great thing so in addition to all the clinical trials we're doing Sarah Colley, one of my breast cancer survivor friends, um, recently went to a conference. She mostly it's the research has been done on brain tumors, and I wasn't sure how effective it truly was with breast cancers, and so I was unwilling to try it. But anyways, um, Sarah came back and she visited me while I was in the hospital. What I know it's a long story. Okay. Oh my god. Anyways. We're gonna do. These people have a life. We're gonna do a trial probably at Jeez, Ohio State get too. Get to it! Research. Oh my God! Doing the keto Never diet. Mind. So we'll this is a bad posted. idea. Sorry guys. Keep you posted. Wasted your whole I weekend. Nothing, I have nothing further to say. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. So, anyways, that's probably like the fifth clinical trial. Um, that's where we're at. So, if anybody has any suggestions, there, bring them to me because I've been praying and meditating and it feels good but at the same time coming to grips with your own mortality is really difficult because i think that no matter what i've always looked at people dying as something that other people do and not something that i necessarily do and you know sadly in uh january 23rd 2019 uh you know she passed away at our home yeah. and you know the days after losing someone like that are are very confusing they're numbing yeah it's it's looking back i remember how i feel because i was just in this like dream days oh yeah state the I fog was, yeah i was like relieved that there wasn't the pain anymore mm -hmm. that there was like closure um, and that she was comfortable because it got very painful towards the end. Yeah. And then, you know, it, you're taking care of other people and you're helping everybody else mourn. Yeah. Which is incredibly difficult. Uh, especially James. Yeah. Well, I mean, James was, oh, so little. you know, two, two years old at the time. Um, I'm running into more issues now than I did back then yeah. as to how he interprets everything yeah. uh, going forward. But it's remarkable. What a gift for him that he has those videos of Laura going through her journey. Yes. I mean, yes. oof, that's amazing. It, it's, it's one of the benefits that we have is that she documented so much. And she was such a planner just by nature yeah. that what she did, it was so adorable. She would actually hide all of these notes in our house oh, that stop. you know when when she was when she started to realize that she wasn't going to be cancer she started hiding them oh all over the place 
And, you know, we still kind of find some of them today and it's like open up for James on his wedding day, you know, on his 18th birthday. Wow. Um, on father's day on in 2019 so like a couple months after she passed my doorbell rang and she sent me flowers <gasps> no yeah wow talk about dying well i mean yeah. i know that's kind of crazy like a crazy concept but to just accept it yeah. and then prepare and plan is remarkable there's there's tons of you know pain in all of this but you can't overlook the beauty and the struggle yeah and you can't, I mean, it, death comes for all of us. Yeah. Um, and it's the mm. way that she actually showed up while she was here. She didn't waste any of her time, accomplished everything that she could have up to that point. Yeah. And just did it so gracefully. Mm. Uh, it was just so admirable. What a beautiful story. So knowing she's such a planner, did the two of you have that conversation about you loving again and life after uh, it's it's hard for me to remember yeah um you know as a as a caregiver you are I, i'm not gonna say you i'm just gonna say i hmm. and own this i felt like if i ever had any weak moments it would derail everything yeah so i really didn't spend a lot of time having those kind of conversations as much as it was building her up, making sure that like the responsibilities around the house or things or life or the stresses that she would normally face were taken care of, you know, making sure that she felt loved. Yeah. Um, when, when Laura passed, I'm lucky because I felt zero guilt. Mm. Yeah. I knew well, I know I was an amazing husband. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. that I showed up totally. every single day. Um, you know, I didn't miss any overnights at hospitals or doctor's visits yeah. or, or anything. And we grew closer during that chaotic time. So I'm lucky I never had to deal with that. And even if people haven't experienced loss, I do think there's a very strong lesson in that. We don't have to be perfect. Yeah. But we do have to show up. Mm, yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and by the time you put your head down on a pillow every night, you don't have to like replay the day and be like, God, I wish I would have done this. You, That's what tomorrow's for. Ah, I love that. Yeah. Do you wish she would have had that conversation or do you sort of feel like, I know, I know what she would have said about this and it's okay? We joked about it a lot of times okay. because, I mean, Laura was – way healthier than I was. So when we had these conversations, this is prior to cancer. Okay. Um, We just assumed (laughs) that we we just assumed that I was going first. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, when I gave her uh, eulogy, um, I did bring this up and this was a conversation. It was in jest, but um, I told Laura, I was like, you know, if I ever passed before, you know, I'd want you to be happy and all that. And, you know, just her being spunky, (laughs) (laughs) the opposite. She's like, you know, if I pass away first, whoever you're with, I'm going to haunt that bitch for the rest of my life. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. But, you know, she she didn't mean that. I mean, at the end of the day, she knows how hard this was for everybody. Of course. Of course, she wants happiness on us. Yeah. 
you said that in the eulogy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I may. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll forward you over with the eulogy. Some somebody in the audience actually recorded the whole thing, which was really sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Laura and I discussed remarriage. If one of us were to pass before the other, putting her happiness first, I always stood by the mantra: I want you to be happy and fulfilled, whether it's with me or not. Laura, on the other hand, had a very different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Many people have said, are you sure? I am sure. She told me on many occasions that if I, that if she were to go first, that she would kill the next woman <laughs> and haunt me until the end. <laughs> so, for all you single ladies out there, please be aware, I come with Okay, so then how much time did it take you? So we talk on the podcast, we talk about the widow's fire. Have you heard that term? Uh, remind me. So it's like, I'm sure I know what it is. Yeah, it's just, you know, that very strong desire for physical intimacy and touch mm. after you lose your partner. Um, so I always sort of ask people, how long did it take for you to feel that? Um, probably very quickly. Yeah, especially after um, a cancer battle. Yeah. I mean, Laura and I were intimate during the whole cancer thing. I mean, that's great. the whole entire thing. So we were very affectionate and everything. And, you know, I think most, most people who go through this, the first thing is that the house sounds different mm. and also there's like that missing place in your bed, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and it's really, really weird. I, yeah. I've said this on another podcast. I started sleeping horizontal. It was really weird. It was like, that was my spot and her spot. So I need to like take break them this both up. up. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I felt that desire to, you know, be taken care of and like yeah. touched and nurtured and like all of that pretty, pretty quickly. And did you, when you started to feel that, did you put yourself out there in the dating world or what was, what, what did you do? It was weird for me because when Laura, Laura passed in January, but deep down, I knew she was passing in like the summer before. Yeah. So I think a lot of people who are caregivers, they're they're grieving way before somebody passes away. Yeah. Um, but I want, yeah, it really is. Um, at least that's my experience. And I was sitting on the couch and I was just like, I know eventually I'm going to have to get back out there. Yeah. Like, is it? What's the right amount of time? Is it a year? Is it five years? Is it what's socially acceptable for me to begin this process again? And that's difficult because there's a lot of opinions about that Mm -hmm. um, that are always out there. But I remember I started going on uh, like my first what is it? it was like hinge or bumble sure yeah or something the one we're like, all on <laughs> laura and i yeah laura and i were together for 16 years so i missed this entire wave of online dating totally. and all that dating apps uh so i you know i went on a first date not to replace laura it was basically like i needed to know what it felt like to go on that drive yeah to meet somebody i couldn't feel that sitting on my couch and it was giving me anxiety mm. trying to 
make sense of what that would feel like. So it's like, I just have to do it. Yeah. Are you willing to tell us um, how long that was after she died? Yeah. I think end of April. So like maybe four months, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people say that around four months or so, it feels like, all right, I need something. Yeah. And and I think for me, I there was a, there was a bunch of pieces to this. I, I went on 10 first dates. Okay. So I didn't see anybody a second time. Oh wow! Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, no, nobody. <laughs> and it, it was it was no fault of their own. It was almost as though I knew I wasn't ready, and yeah. I was speaking openly and honest about where I was. And all the people I went on dates with were incredibly kind yeah. and like sweet and like put together. They didn't feel like used or anything. I was just very you know upfront about it. Did you put but that you were like, – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. I put I was widowed on there. They knew exactly what they were getting. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, which, you know, on, honestly, for, for some women, that that's a really big turn on uh-huh. to have a, a widowed guy with a child. You're the unicorn. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> unicorn setup for sure. I didn't realize that at the time. Um, but it was like I needed to understand what the drive was like. I had to understand what it felt like when my inside jokes that I used to have with Laura didn't land anymore. Uh, like when someone yes. touched me for the first time, even if it was just on the shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, like all of these things that made up the last 16 years now felt gone and like a piece of me gone. Yeah, totally. And now it's like, I'm starting brand new again. Yeah. And that can be pretty daunting when you're thinking about like, Oh my God, to build that kind of relationship fresh again. Yeah, there's Ooh. there's a weird excitement that I experienced about being like, okay, like I'm a better version of myself than I was 16 years ago. What great things can I build now? Yeah. It, but then there was just this hole in your heart that you carry and, you know, you you can't help but feel it. Sometimes you can't help but compare, you know, and, and those are all bad things to do. Um, yeah, but, but sort of inevitable. It's it's inevitable. Yeah, my boyfriend and I talk about this a lot, how like meeting at the age of 38 is totally different than meeting someone when you're 17 and you're like yeah. starting from a more mature, self-aware place. It, it can get really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it. I remember when Laura passed away, I was like, well, especially after this show too, I was like, we met when we were 18. We didn't care about jobs. We didn't care about careers or status or money or any of these things. Yeah. It was just like this, you know, juvenile kind of love. And now it's like whoever... I'm with, like I'm with the most amazing woman right now, Danielle, um, who shares very similar background to all of us. It's like that relation is different because it started at a different place, but it doesn't mean it's less. Yeah, exactly. How has, um, did James meet any of the people you dated before you went on the show? Um, He met one girl uh, that I had spoken to, um, that I actually, I dated, uh, somebody who lived actually in Columbus, Ohio, which was like two hours away from me. We had some mutual friends, 
um, you know, for a few months prior to the show. Yeah. And it was very difficult because that's not the timeline I would typically have to introduce somebody to my kid. Yeah. Um, however, I, me going out and dating, like, and going out to dinners and being away from James, it's not preferred either. Right. So I would have to have this compromise where I'd have to bring someone here to my house. Yeah. So I didn't have to spend, you know, time away from James just being a single parent. Yeah. And did he understand that this was someone you were dating or did you kind of no, keep it friend zone? No, I don't think so. I, 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 I kind of just kept it friendly. I mean, I've got a lot of, I mean, I've got a sister. I've got, I mean, there are women in my house all the time. I'm sure. Like, <laughs> not like that. No, I not know. like that. I know. Yeah, not like that. But like, people no, helping. I've got, I've got, yes, I've got tons of, tons of girlfriends that, you know, come over and, and James is used to that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to keep it like that. It's like, I always, I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest, yeah. is what's, what's the right way to approach this versus allowing a child to be a kid Yeah. and not projecting my own emotions and my own insecurities onto him. But, you know, this is, uh, you know dad's friend. And is it fine if it's just like that? Yeah, I know. I feel like that's, it's like, you're just learning as you go. Or for me, I, I just am, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give you little tidbits. I, I'm shooting at the wall here. I don't know if right. this is the right thing or not. It's, 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 it's imperfect. Um, yeah. and you, you know, I think, I think you have to go with your gut instinct, you know, and have a good feel for, you know, your kid and see where they're at and rely on, other people's eyes yeah. to check in uh, to make sure things are on on track. Yeah. So speaking of other people's eyes, I've I've heard <laughs> I've heard the story of how you ended up on The Bachelorette, but I'm curious, sort of about like, you know, this process is so overwhelming and confusing for. I, I will say for me and the thousands of other widows I talk to all the time. Um, yeah. And so I'm wondering how you made the decision to, to do it so publicly. And that comes with zero judgment. I have mad respect for you for doing it. I, I'm just curious how you took the leap. It was, it was not easy whatsoever. And I, th I think it's always important to know, like, I didn't seek this out. Yeah. They, they reached out to me. Um, it was this weird thing where why would they do this why would they reach out to me <laughs> laura loved this show mm. like it felt like a, a weird sign and i've always been someone that subscribes to the idea that we shouldn't just look at a decision as it's what, what risk it poses to us mm. you know like if i go on this show it's risky i love that if I stay in my current state, that's risky too. Yep. <laughs> There's risk everywhere around us. And so for me, it was just, this is an odd novelty kind of thing um, that let's see where it goes. I never thought I'd make it as far as I did. I mean, a, you know, a 38 year old guy with a kid, you know, <laughs> courting, you know, somebody in their late twenties that lives on the West coast. Yeah. But you, you got know. your shit together. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's a, I get that unicorn thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and it was it was wild. Like the the feelings are are real, and I think for for grief in particular on Kate on Katie's season, people really applauded how honest I was about it. Yeah. Um, Bachelor in Paradise maybe a little bit different. Well, you mean <laughs> you mean people's reactions? Yeah, I think. I think the reactions that I got from being on two seasons actually are a lot like real life mm. where it is talk about grief, but don't but talk about too it much. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't, don't use it as an excuse. Yeah. You know, like if you're not ready, don't do it. And they don't realize that it is a living, breathing process. Yeah. Like if, if I don't do anything, I never get better. Yeah. You know, I, I never heal. I thought, um, you know, for those, just for those people who are listening who maybe didn't see Bachelor in Paradise, just I watched as you were so honest about the struggles that you were having as you were dating these different women. And mm. I I felt like it was so insanely relatable. Like I was watching you and I was, my heart was like, yes, I know that feeling. I know I can relate. And then I like read people's comments and I was like, ugh, they don't get it. Of course they couldn't. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, when Twitter turns on you at these moments mm. and you feel these like waves, the one thing that kept me very much, I guess, uh, satisfied was the fact that anybody who was a widower and had gone through this said that I did it justice. Yeah. And it was like, that's the one group I just, I would die inside if I ever downplayed it or didn't do it correctly. Cause that's the group I care about. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm a part of. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Like I don't want to let down any of, any of my widowed brothers and sisters. Right. Cause it's like, right. Yeah. Cause really it's so hard for anybody else to understand and easy to cast judgment. But I really think you just did it so beautifully and with such kindness too. And I thought you explained yeah, your heart I mean, really well. Thank you. I, I tried to, it's, it's a, it's a really difficult situation. I mean, there was a time on, you know, on bachelor in paradise where people are talking about the idea of being like a stepmom and things like yeah. that. And it's like, it's like I can un it, it's no it's no one's fault. Right. It's not their fault, but like for the people in our community, they see how bad that is mm -hmm. and how fast that is and how that's going to send people running. Yeah. And it, and I also think there's this idea of glamorizing mm. what it's like without seeing really the struggle that we face on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean just the the it's so overwhelming to think about bringing somebody new into your child's life and then thinking mm -hmm. about carrying on the legacy of your late spouse or late partner for your child and for yourself. And then, so it's like such a hard decision to do that. It can't be made lightly. No. And, and I mean, I don't make decisions just for myself. If I did, that would be very, very easy. I, maybe not still, so easy. Yeah, was, Some people without kids was, would still say. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I didn't don't mean to downplay that. Yeah. I, I meant to say easier. It's really meant to say like I'm keeping my in-laws' feelings. Yes. 
those are carrying weight with me. Can we, Laura's wait, family. Can we talk about that for a second? Oh, of course. How did, yeah. How did they react to you going public with all this? They, I mean, I asked them for permission to go on uh, Katie season and oh. they were basically like, if, if you feel like this is something you need to do, then, you know, go and do it. And they were, you know, I, it was difficult for them to have the internet talking about Laura. Of course. You know, people who don't humanize this experience, mm-hmm. but look at it as entertainment or a character, mm-hmm. you know, memes that would pop up. And, you know, it's, of course, it's funny for everybody else, but for a mother and a father who lost their daughter, it's difficult to read some of these things. Of and it, all of those things were obviously out of my control, right. but it did negatively impact their experience watching the season back. Yeah. So how have they reacted to you and Danielle and like this serious yeah. relationship? Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, it, it's, it's been, it, it hasn't. Yeah, this is tricky. <laughs> I just want to make sure I, I say it right. Yeah, of um, course. We are in a better place than we have been since Laura passed away and we still have so much more work to do. Um, I think Laura was an only child. Mm-hmm. Uh, James is literally, you know, their world. Yeah. Me dating somebody else, they can't help but feel like their position in our family's at risk now yeah. that their connection, Laura, is no longer there. Yeah. So I, I constantly try to give them affirmation that they're here forever. Yes. Um, and they're a part of here they actually they're from detroit and they bought a condo like two blocks away from me mm-hmm. so they're here james they're you know they're a big part of james's life yeah and but that is difficult for them to see james interact with another woman it's difficult for them to see me be affectionate with somebody else yeah um but at the end of the day and this is for anybody going through it never forget that this is your life. Yeah. You cannot live for anybody else other than yourself. You cannot fix other people's problems. You cannot help their insecurities. You cannot, that's a journey that they have to be on. And it's hard enough to find happiness without any of this. Yeah. Nonetheless, going through this and having to find it within the boxes that people put us in. Yeah. And I think the remarkable thing about you, Michael, is that you have that, that ability to say like, okay, you have to live for yourself, but also your heart is so evident. And I think that's, this is why people love you so much is because like, you're like, yes, you have to live for yourself and that's their issue, but they live two blocks from me and they're a huge part of our life. Right. (laughs) Right. Because that's, that's, the loving, compassionate thing to do for parents who lost their daughter. And, you know, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I say it with such confidence, knowing full well that it is a balancing act that I haven't mastered. I, most of the advice that I spew out, it's really self-talk for me. <laughs> like I'm just trying to convince myself of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's confusing. There is tons of fog out there. You know, if I, if I learned anything after losing and seeing Laura fight, and then losing, it was 
that we cannot waste any time. I mean, I saw her fight so hard for every last minute that there was a part of me feeling a responsibility to live for those that can't and knowing full well that hopefully I get to see her one day and have amazing stories that I can share with her. If, If I just sat on the couch whining, she'd be like, were you not listening right. you know were you not paying attention like get out there and get out there and live and you're building a beautiful life for you and james and danielle yeah the best we can yeah doing the best we can yeah so um can you give us like high level just overview of how things are going with danielle and her relationship yeah. with james and yeah so danielle moved to Cleveland. So we're not living together. Mm-hmm. I live in uh, Akron. She now lives about uh, 25 minutes away. Perfect. And we decided to do that for a few a few reasons. Danielle's very independent, which is why I love her. Yes. Um, she was like, if I'm moving up there, I need my own place. I need to have my <laughs> own friends, my own identity, my own job. I'm love like, it. absolutely. Yeah. Like that's super, super healthy. And then there's also this great thing that we get to experience where, you know, if I get a babysitter, I get to go up to the city, have some time away. But also James, James gets to experience the city too. I mean, a kid going on a long weekend vacation, 25 minutes away or trip feels like a vacation. So, you know, he gets to experience a little bit of the city as well. And our relationship is, it's really doing amazing. It was probably the weakest when we were on the beach. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was fresh yeah. and new. Well, it's it's weird to have a real relationship when cameras are in your face. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're worried about every single, you know, syllable that comes out of your mm-hmm. mouth or else the internet's going to jump on you yeah. for one thing or the other. And just because of her past, Danielle, you know, lost her fiance, Nick, to a OD hmm. about 12 years ago. Yeah. So she's farther along in this process than I am. We've been able to kind of support each other and she understands the different stages that I'm at, which is a real blessing. What do you think is the benefit of having you both be sort of unofficially widowed? Um, I think if Danielle hadn't lost Nick and mine was the same, mm-hmm. she still would have been an amazing partner because of who she is. Yeah. I think the fact that we both have experienced that make us very sympathetic or empathetic, I should say, to, you know, each other's doubts and insecurities and hesitations as the relationship progresses. And also she understands the, you know, the family being involved and how that must look and, you know, taking time to not overstep and rush in with James because, you know, he's six now and just interprets things very differently. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a lot of maturity that's that's on display here yeah. on a regular basis. You don't always find that in Bachelor Nation either. So Yes. That was the thing that really struck me watching the two of you interact on the show was, you know, right away you could just feel the depth of the of the conversations. It's like you just kind of cut through a lot of the bullshit and get to the hardest stuff really quickly when you're like, well, we both have been through something really hard. Yeah. I remember, you know, I I don't read a lot what's on the internet and stuff and comments and stuff like that. But I remember people basically saying like, oh my gosh, like I don't see 
like the spark they have no connection like they're trauma bonding oh God. like <laughs> like all of these all of Come these on. things and all i could think about was that like this is exactly what love looks like yeah it it doesn't have to look like this running across the beach jumping into each yeah. other's arms like fireworks it it that kind of connection happens like for Danielle and I, it was on like a cellular level mm. where it's just significantly deeper and in, in a deeper understanding. And also because of our past, all of our baggage was on display, Yeah, which, you know, that's, that's what makes people unique and makes them beautiful. It doesn't make them flawed. Totally. And it's like you, you, you create that safe place in a relationship to allow them to feel like they can unpack it without judgment. Yeah. And we do that. This is something I feel like we talk about in in this community a lot is that being widowed is not baggage that you're bringing to the table, but that it's really like a superpower like you've learned so much in the process. Yeah, you you really you really have. I don't know. And and now it feels like I'm learning things all over again for the first time. Yeah being in a new relationship as an adult and everything. Um, and I, and I guess that's the, the beauty of life, right? Is that you never really arrive. Yes. I love that. I feel like there's a lot of things that you say too, that I just really resonate with. And I'm sure a lot of that is having gone through this process and finding love again. And, you know, I just, I, I feel if we had more time, I want to, I would like literally want to ask, <laughs> I know we were t- like tight on time yeah. today, but like normally I'd be asking all the questions about like how you are and, oh, and your experience. And, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. But I mean, I just, uh, I lost my train of thought. Okay. That's okay. Okay. I have some quick questions for you then. All right, Can we do that? Away. Okay, cool. Of course. Of course. So first one, what apps did you use when you were dating online? Uh, Bumble and Hinge. Okay. Um, you said you did put your widow status on your profile. Do you remember what you said? Um, I think I said widowed, like, I thought it was probably so unarticulate. It was probably like lost my wife to breast cancer. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just direct. Get yeah. it out there. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I'll buy a drink at Applebee's. I don't know. <laughs> like, wow. This guy. Okay. Do you see yourself getting married again someday? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I would l- love that. Okay. Like I know how amazing marriage was. And I think until I get to that point, it's just like, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm working to get myself back to that place. Okay. Um, do you see yourself having any more kids? I don't know. Okay. L- originally, I wanted uh, three now it's like life kind of threw me a curveball and you know Dan- Danielle is older too she's actually um in the process of freezing her eggs okay yeah so that that leaves some some hope too yeah so i like the unknown that's good yeah it's a it's a lot of unknown i mean that's that's life yeah totally agree what do you what did you do with your wedding ring um hers or mine both well, they're both in my bedroom right now in a little box. If you remember on Paradise when I handed that like compass. Oh yeah. To Danielle. Yep. Yeah, they're both they're both in that box. Okay. That's right. Um as far as uh when Laura passed, I and I actually got some criticism about that, is that I did take the wedding ring off fairly quickly. Okay. 
Who criticized um, you? I mean, it was more like, wow, you're moving on quickly. Mm. And it's like, no, what I'm trying to do is, is preserve good memories. I remember when Laura passed away too, I took down all the pictures off our wall mm. um, that contained us uh, because I didn't want those beautiful memories to be tainted. tainted by how I was feeling in the moment. I think that's wise, actually. You're just, pre- yeah, you're just protecting those things and then you can go back. Of course, of all days for the technology to fail, this was the one. But basically, Michael ended up saying he wanted to take the photos down so that he could save them for later when he could look back on them in a positive way again. And then we wrapped up our conversation like this. Michael, thank you so much for doing the interview. You're taking a situation that is really hard for a lot of people and making it visible. And you're letting people in in a way that is helpful to all of us in the widow community who are trying to do this. Thank you so much for having me too. And thank you for all the great vibes that you put out into the world and allowing for this safe place for people that have gone through grief to openly express it. Thanks. All right, Michael. Well, we will um, keep watching and we wish you and Danielle all the best and James, of course. Uh, Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Well, that's it for this one. Until next week, I will just encourage you to check out the Patreon, seek out better help if you are in need of therapy, and touch base with us on Instagram. Hope to see you there. Bye.